Welcome to Gu Dao Jingqing, Walking the Timeless Way, a podcast that digs deeply into the ancient texts of Dao Da Jing to uncover its timeless wisdom and discuss how to apply it to today's chaotic world. I'm Ian Felton, practicing psychotherapist and coder. I'm joined by my co-host, executive coach and consultant, David Wong. Good morning, David. Good morning, Ian. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you too. I wanted to to check in with you. I know this week um, there's been a whole lot in in the news, and um, obviously the horrible shootings in Atlanta. And as part of the Asian community, I just wanted to kind of check in and see how you're doing and see how you're reacting to things. Mm. Uh, right now, we're uh, my wife and I. Uh, are all safe and uh, we are taking you know extra precaution when we walk around uh, but I think um, you know when I walk around the lake uh, there are uh, people friendly faces so mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I smile back to people and uh, I think that's where we are but I, I am concerned a little bit about the overall atmosphere uh, uh, in the country given you know, uh, I think there there seems to be a lot of, uh, uh, you know, violence or hatred around, you know, things. It's not just, uh, you know, Asian American communities, I guess, in general, like the in Colorado. So, you know, it has, you know, people talked about it and some people feel like uh, there needs to be uh, tighter gun control and people talked about uh, you know uh, mental uh, illnesses um, so what what do you think well obviously I'm I'm concerned anytime someone who is mentally ill isn't getting the help that they need it's it's obviously um, far worse when clearly something really, bad has been missed where not just with this shooter in Atlanta who um, was apparently really evangelical and and really seemed like he struggled with his sexual urges and 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 saw them as being being bad or evil and eventually obviously really acted out in a psychopathic way and then obviously the shooter in Colorado who mm-hmm. also was mentally ill, whose family knew he was mentally ill and saw him with guns and apparently still didn't have the awareness to see that, hey, this person is really needs help and, and is out of control. And so it's troubling to me that we still, with all of our science and technology and um, apparent, you know, lack of, of, of wisdom mm-hmm. that these sorts of things are, are still, um, going on and going on so, so often and in this country. And so, you know, looking at it from a Taoist point of view, the Tao says, you know, we, we shouldn't see weapons, weapons. We, we should live in a, in a land where we don't really see, weapons where weapons are hidden and and obviously that isn't the case in in this country we live in a country where 
weapons are on on display and mm-hmm. and they're they're glorified and then we obviously reap the price of of that right right i can't agree with you more on some of your points uh you just made i feel like the against this kind of a background or you know backdrop we're studying you know chapter 67 it's quite timely you know some of the uh, mm-hmm. key themes in this chapter yeah and so i would love it if if this time around if would you be willing to do the reading for us i'll be happy to do the reading 天下皆为我道大四不消夫为大故事不消若消久以其细也夫我有三宝持而保之一曰慈二曰简三曰不敢为天下先慈故能勇简故能广以此位置 mm. always love hearing the original words being being spoken and and even though um i know some of our listeners might not speak chinese obviously we we really wanted to offer them the opportunity to to hear um Lao's words spoken in chinese yeah well i i would imagine if Laozi uh, read it, he would read it in a, a Henan dialect, a local dialect, uh, instead of uh, uh, my Mandarin Chinese. Mm. Well, we're, yeah, we we were, were obviously not able to go that far back in in time. What are maybe a couple of the differences in in Henan? How at least a modern um, dialect. Maybe what's what's one or two examples of of how Henan is uh, different than Putonghua? To be honest with you, I think it's the uh, both the uh, it's basically the uh, you know pronunciation and the intonation. Mm. You, you see, it's not a. Uh, I, I think relatively uh, relative to let's say uh, some of the southern dialect. Mm. Uh, I think the Henan dialect is pretty. It's closer. Uh, because it's a northern mm. dialects are closer to the Mandarin Chinese actually, but still mm. you see the variation. Uh, but but to be honest with you, I cannot uh, speak. Uh, next time maybe we that's can okay. find a, a person from Henan uh, <laughs> to <laughs> yeah, give that's... us a rendering of this chapter. <laughs> that's a lot of pressure I put on you to know every Chinese dialect. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, obviously one of those things. It's like, oh, those assumptions. Like, oh, he he's from China. He should know all of the Chinese dialects. Dialects. <laughs> I could say, uh, I could uh, read uh, one or two sentences 
in uh, Nanjing dialect. If you, mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. Could we hear maybe? Okay. Um, okay. One of the sentences that's, that's like different. a warrior yeah. sandbar. I have three treasures. Okay. Like warrior sandbar. Okay. Let me uh, give it a try. It, it, you know, if I sometimes I feel like when I say my dialect, which I haven't said for a long time, mm. I will feel like it's a very strange sound uh, oh, for me okay. for myself. Uh, Hmm. I, I wish I could point out the the difference, but I I, I didn't hear what, what was the thing that you that stood out to you as being most different. Uh the the tones, like the mm. rising tones, because in uh Nanjing dialect, I think it's uh the tone is different. Like, mm. Yeah, I think the 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 pronunciation part of it is uh, probably mm. very similar mm. uh, for Nanjing dialect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for 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 doing that that, and um, I know, um, like you were saying, it's it's been a long time since you um, have gotten to to speak that. Since I, I know last year, travel back home was was pretty limited. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, David. Well, I'm going to move on to the translation. And so, all under heaven say that my way is great, but it seems unworthy. Because it's great, it seems unworthy. If it looked worthy long ago, it would have been seen as small. I have three treasures to preserve and protect. The first is kindness. The second is moderation. The third is to not dare be first in the world. The humane can be brave. The frugal can become generous. Not daring to be first in the world, one can become a useful primary tool. Nowadays, they give up compassion but are still brave give up frugality and are still generous, give up humility and become first, and death results. By means of compassion, one is victorious in battle and in defending, stands firm. Heaven will save those who possess compassion, and it's by means of compassion that it does so. What are your thoughts i know tra translating this text as you'll see many many variations across versions what were maybe some of the the bigger differences that maybe you uh have in in how you would translate this chapter um uh, i think because of the original text uh you know some of the for example uh the last sentence right mm. uh there's a uh, because there's different version of the original text. Oh yeah. Uh, some people say, well, heaven rely on these three treasures mm. instead of just only compassion or kindness to protect a person. Mm. So that because that that has to do with the original text, the yi zi, uh, yi zi uh, in some of the version. It's not zi, it's a zi, 
zi means in ancient Chinese is like uh, uh, these, like mm. these three. Yeah. Okay, and so there was probably some transcription where that one word got changed from compassion to to these or vice versa. We don't necessarily know. Um, how that happened, but right. there are some differences in, in versions. And so lots of times translations try to take uh, their best guess by looking at, at all of them. But there's, what is there? There's two or three main, main versions. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. I think there's th like three so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I have obviously a lot of questions after mm -hmm. reading this chapter, the, this is one of the more popular chapters because this is where Lao Tzu really spells out the values that he believes are, are most in, important for uh, humanity. And, yes. and so out of these three treasures, which one do you feel is most in, important and, and why? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say it's uh, mm. is the most important. It happens to be, uh, you know, number one. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason I believe that is number one is um, first of all, uh, if we read through the overall, uh, you know, texts of Laozi Dao De Jing, uh, there's a lot of manifestation of this Si. In, um, in, in nature. Mm. So that's why I feel like uh, in here, uh, he's trying to kind of a pinpoint, like trying to boil down, you know, his, uh, as you said, key values uh, about Tao, because uh, he says, you know, at the beginning of this chapter, Tao is so huge, right? It's so, sometimes it feels like so uh, nebulous that what it what it is it you know it, it, there needs to be some for human beings to understand there needs to be some kind of a, a concreteness to it so he said well let me give it a try so I'll, I'll just uh, boil down uh, to three things I think the number one is uh, I would say it's not just like we human being embody it I think that's the nature of of uh, of heaven, of na nature of Tao. And, and this is the stuff that I really love about Taoism is that it really tries to observe nature and, and draw truths from observation. And so you were talking about seeing this kindness, com compassionateness in, in nature. And what are some of the examples that come to mind for you when, when you think of those observations? Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm. You know, when I was a little kid, a lot of the memories, because I uh, live, uh, m both my parents were, uh, you know, working. So I lived with my, uh, at my grandma's home, uh, my mother's side. Uh, so they, I, I think in their courtyard, in their little, um, uh, how would you say, the, the courtyard, like their house, and then, uh you know, they raise a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, chickens, right? And then there's the dogs and, do dogs and cats. 
from my early memory, I can see that, for example, the the hen, the 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 you know all the little chicken were hatched, right? The the eggs were hatched. You see, you kind of watch them. You see how uh, the mother, you know, is trying to protect the little ones. So that's the first image of zi. Uh, in Chinese, zi actually has a lot to do with, for example, uh, you normally say zi when uh, somebody is uh, in a, I would say is a, uh, in a protective mode. Like say, mm. your father is zi to you, mm. but you are respectful toward your, uh, your father. So you have a different kind of relationship. They are supposed to be caring and loving. Okay, so... You know, when in the animal world, I would say the 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 the, the you know the little uh, how would you say the little chickens are protected by their mother, so that's that's. So there's something also very um, much tied up in um, a relationship to power too. That basically the yeah, more, the yeah. more powerful you are, the more tsu or you or, you yeah. you are supposed to display. Yes, exactly. I, I think um, it has a lot to do with that. Uh, mm. I think the uh, for another example, um, so the father is supposed to be toward the son or daughter, and uh, what else? The uh, oh, uh, the strong and the weak in the society. Uh, in modern Chinese, there's a word called the shan. That's mm. charity, uh, mm-hmm. charitable things. Shan. So you're uh, you're you're helping those people who are in need in the society, mm-hmm. and shan is is like benevolence. Yes, is a kindness. Shan mm-hmm. shanliang, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Buddhism actually uh, Lao Tzu wrote uh, this uh, his text uh, uh, long before Buddhism uh, w- w- was introduced to China uh, in Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the key concept is that mm. you have a heart of uh, 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 kindness or compassion. Uh, the exact word for that is is a little bit uh, of a sadness in it, mm-hmm. but it's not quite sad. It's like when somebody is suffering, mm-hmm. uh, you are sad with that person. Mm. So when somebody is happy, empathy. yeah. yeah yeah, empathy. When somebody is happy, you are re- you, you rejoice with them. Mm. But when somebody suffers, uh, you are bait, bait, like mm. a, yeah, bait. And so it, it, I can see then where there's a lot of overlap then in um, Buddhism and and Taoism, where there's this common usage of of tzu or or this compassion, benevolence kindness that is is key to to both uh, Buddhism and and Taoism yeah yeah Buddhism Taoism and uh, I think I would even add uh, uh, you know Confucianism yeah uh, uh, but with a different emphasis I, I think the maybe Tao that kind of compassion is uh, inspired mm. by the observation of how Tao operates. Right, mm-hmm. so that's where that uh, comes from. Um, 
maybe Confucianism has a lot to do with the observation of the the natural uh, relationship. Maybe mm-hmm. in some part of in nature too, I would say. But it's mm-hmm. the basic uh, uh, from the uh, father uh, child relationship. Mm. It's it's really structured um, based upon r- relationships in a, a very formal way. It's not as open ended where Lao Tzu doesn't really prescribe too many things. Um, he kind of stays more open ended and, and and poetic. But um, Confucius really says like, no, this this is how a son acts toward his father, and this right, is how a right. father you, acts. You are absolutely his son. right. From that natural uh naturalness of that relationship there's a whole set of uh uh complicated codes like ethics mm. right mm. and later on i think the later generations add more and more and i think the government starts to uh, use that as a tool uh to create a harmonious society so mm. you can see uh I think to some extent, I think uh, even during Laozi's time, and especially Zhuangzi, Zhuangzi mm. is the later, uh, another key character in the uh, uh, Taoist uh, tradition, Zhuangzi. Mm. Uh, it's a, a little bit later during the warring stage, uh, he really started to see that um, Confucianism uh, creates a lot of uh, uh, hypocrisy. Mm, because of the, those, give me an example. That, that distortion. Uh, well, a simple example is, um, you know, maybe somebody trying to are trying to be uh, kind of a virtuous and kind, mm. or uh, you know, selfish reasons. Mm, I see that. Yeah, so that that takes away that uh, authenticity, you know, mm. or naturalness, uh, according to. Uh, you know, Taoist tradition. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between really cultivating it in your heart and and looking at it like, oh, well, these are just rules of society and rules are made to be broken, but I've kind of got to play this game. So I learned yeah. how to act a certain way. But exactly. inside, like, I really don't have a heart of, of kindness. Exactly. The, uh, it's more for, it's more like of uh, appearances than the uh, substance. It's it's really amazing because it's the same thing that we see in in the Bible too of Jesus talking about the hypocrites and the the Pharisees who you know so focused on the rules and and regulations but actually don't have a kind heart. Exactly. Yeah. There. There's. I think whether it's in the West or in the East, there's a kind of a fine line between. You know that if you mm-hmm. cross that line, uh, it's just the opposite of what it was meant to be. Yeah. And here we are, just again, where not, nothing has really changed. That people, since there's been writing and civilization, have been talking about these things that they see, which is that when people are genuinely kind, communities and societies thrive. And when people are, are, are fake or don't really genuinely have mm-hmm. compassion in, in their hearts, that's when chaos ar- arises. And, and how much we read in, in Lao Tzu particularly about how chaos is created when people deviate from the way. Yes, exactly. And so 
I know one thing we want to start talking about more are, you know, how how would you walk the timeless way with this treasure of tzu? Mm. Mm. Uh, the first thing that uh, comes to mind is, um, I would say, uh, take good care of yourself. Mm. Uh, in other words, it's not being selfish, mm-hmm. it's to experience and uh, practice self-compassion. Mm. Uh, uh, the reason I'm saying that is sometimes, you know, by watching others and through our own experience, I find it hard to really be understanding and patient and compassionate if I'm not in a good shape. In other words, if I don't feel safe. Mm. So that makes even more important to, uh, you know, take, you know, to be, to be responsible for our lives. Because uh, once we take care, good care of our lives, like our health, you know, our daily activities, our, you know, finance, all those things, I think psychologically we would feel safer. Mm. Uh, there's a saying that um, you cannot give what you don't have. So if we have insecurity, all, every kind of love we give out, I don't. I think it's kind of a polluted or tainted because mm. it's not given out out of that position of strength. Mm. It's actually uh, of something else. Mm. So that's why I feel like there's a correlation between uh, self-care and the compassion. Uh, it makes perfect sense and and to really expand that without safety we can't have com- compassion at least not to its its fullest i'm sure there's there's some people who could be in the middle of a a war zone and still be compassionate but i think that's the the exception versus the the role and so i love this idea that the more safety we create in our own environments for ourselves, that we're going to be able to extend that safety and compassion to, to others. And so it's it, easier. It makes things easier. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean like, say, there is a, like a, a threshold. I also see people who are compassionate that, you know, materialistic speaking, they are not as rich or as uh, wealthy mm-hmm. uh, as some other people. Uh, I think it's a, a combination of the external uh, conditions, right, uh, mm-hmm. materialistically, mm-hmm. and also the psychological uh, assessment of it. Uh, there mm-hmm. are people uh, who are uh, insecure uh, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Right, they are they are rich. They have lots of resources, uh, but they are so. Uh, I think in the old stories, I think the old novels like Charles Dickens, they are like misers. Yeah. You know, the people who are holding on to those things mm-hmm. and uh, they they cannot give it to others. Taking through the second treasure, frugality to an extreme, which in Taoism we talk about, you can take anything to an extreme, and then it yes. becomes. It's opposite. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so 
I, I really want to put on our, our observational hats and then kind of ask you then, you know, n- not in a, a judgmental way or a moralistic way, but just through this Taoist lens of just observing, observing people as a species of organisms on the planet, what do you see are the ways that, that people kind of create unsafe, a lack of safety for themselves? how they perpetuate destroying their own safety, which can then lead to also not making it possible for them to be kind or compassionate to others. Mm, That's a good one. Uh, Let me think. I feel nowadays there's a lot of uh, uh, comparison going on. Mm. Comparison going on. In other Mm. words, uh, the more you compare the more other people's lifestyle are visible to you, you know, I guess it has an impact on human psychology. So that makes people feel uh, unsafe in some ways. Wow. And, and so when it's almost like when, when, when we start that process of comparing, We've almost got it already in our minds that there's something wrong with us. And it's almost like we're looking for evidence that, yeah, when I make this comparison, I already kind of know I'm going to find something that I don't like about myself. Yeah, 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 exactly. And also not uh, only, uh, I think then that not liking yourself needs to find uh, outlets uh, to become a resentment toward others. Uh, mm-hmm. The other day, I read something about, uh, 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 you know, Nietzsche, Nietzsche's uh, thoughts about envy. Uh, a mm-hmm. modern world, because there's this democratic value that all people are supposed to be equal. So when you start to see the gaps and you cannot account for it, so if I have the same rights as you do, then you have more than I do. So that kind of resentment and of envy uh, leads to find some outlets in, in our modern society. So mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, that kind of a bitterness, um, you know, is channeled into uh, unhealthy behaviors, I guess. Well, and I think even last summer, just looking at society on a on a broader level, when the video of of George Floyd um, being killed in in public came out, and when there's been that, you know, obviously for for centuries, you know, looking at how um, black people are treated in in America versus white people and and really obviously all my all minorities compared to white people in this country and and that it it's been so obvious for people who who aren't white from the very first day that they've spent in the society it, it's so apparent to them that making that comparison that there's privileges if you're white that other people don't have and that it, it's sort of just now that society is is to the point where um, a significant number of white people are actually looking at oh 
there's all this stuff that I get to take for granted because I'm, I'm white that black people, Asian people, native American people don't get to take all that stuff for granted. And, and that a lot of what happened last summer with, um, the protests and, and the rioting is sort of this eruption of resentment of like, you know, what's it going to take for the broader society to see how much we're not treated the same. Right. Right. So that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. Um, uh, the, 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 the kind of, uh, the, the racial, uh, uh, gaps or mm-hmm. the inequity. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but when you look more holistically, uh, that's just one dimension of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, another key thing is the, you know, uh, not in our era, but in another, maybe in the, uh, the 19th century or the, uh, the early 20th, early the 20th century, uh, uh, this notion of the the the, the capital, the capitalist mm. society. I think mm. it seems like people don't talk very much. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how uh, that isn't an actively active part of this resentment. Mm. But I feel like the it seems like the the racial conflicts uh, take uh, almost like uh, cover, obscure. Another dimension of conflicts, which is the uh, the capitalism. Uh, in other words, mm-hmm. the uh, there is a significant gap between uh, whether, of course, the uh, uh, the the color people uh, they have they are at a bigger disadvantage. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that uh, you know ordinary people, whether they are whites or or or, 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 or blacks or or, or other uh, uh, racial groups uh, compared with the people who hold the capital, mm-hmm. uh, there's resentment there. Mm-hmm. The resent, resentment can be, uh, you know, while uh, the ordinary people, they may see that uh, the, the, capitalist, uh, the capitalists, they are very uh, greedy. They use power, right, to exploit mm-hmm. uh, the ordinary people. Uh, but then the capitalists see, oh, these are a bunch of losers. They are not, mm. uh, you know, they are the mm-hmm. economic re- elitist, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. They are not maybe the educational, intellectual elitist, but the economic elitist uh, would say, I'm the, uh, I'm the kind of the, the winners. I work hard. You know, I'm uh, entrepreneurial. Uh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I am uh, ambitious. Uh, so uh, there's a mutual resentment. In other words, the ordinary people they resent the capitalists, and the capitalists uh, show contempt over over the ordinary people. They they have no compassion of these people because they don't have a strong ethics as I do. Yeah, and then we're left in this terrible situation where there's there's clearly resource hoarding, which is when we look at this chapter in the three treasures, when, when Lao Tzu says that the second treasure is um, being frugal, but not frugal to hoard everything, like, 
right. um, the billionaires and um, are around the world, but you're frugal so that you can give. Guang, right? Yeah. It, 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 it is supposed to, to be used for a better purpose, yes. right? To uh, spreading it or sharing mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we have this, that, that, that capitalism is against the Tao because it encourages possession of one. I mean, if, if one person under capitalism, it, it would be fine for one person to own everything because if, if somehow legally that person could have ownership of everything, then there would be nothing illegal about that. You know, one, one human being could own everything in the world. If yeah. there was a, a legal document that says, yep, they own, this person owns every piece of stock, every company, every car, every house. And under capitalism, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but if you uh, think about Tao, Tao is not possessive, right? Tao, mm-hmm. uh, the nature of Tao is to nurture all living things without like trying to own them, trying mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, control them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without trying to control them, which kind of, so then to go to the other side then, so Tao also isn't communism or Stalin, like, Stalinist or or Maoist in the sense of those were very authoritarian governments that had um, command economies where the government tried to control everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's also against the Tao, e- even if it's being used for supposedly spreading the wealth that that also sounds not Taoist to me when it's when it's done from a an authoritarian controlling position. Exactly, exactly. I think there's a risk for both the uh, uh, capitalism or communism uh, to be that controlling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it can't be controlling and be Taoist. It can't be possessing everything and be Taoist, and and so there's this pretty wide place in 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 the middle, which um, you know, obviously in the world today we're we're pretty um, still out of balance, and and we're definitely way more on the side of, I mean, the the capitalists more than the communists have um, kind of created the systems that we have. In, in place. I mean, obviously, even in China, it's probably more capitalist now than 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 communist. What, mm-hmm. what do you think? Um, yeah, I think to some extent, I think the uh, the notion of let's say recently uh, last week, uh, Biden gave a uh, his first uh, you know uh, press uh, you know. Uh, the press conference, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And in talking about the nature of the relationship between China and uh, China and uh, and the U.S., uh, basically he says uh, they shouldn't uh, like uh, get into confrontation, but mm-hmm. they are getting into steep competition. Mm-hmm. So the nature of that competition, uh, he characterized that as. Uh, 
democracy versus autocracy. Hmm. That's the uh, name that he used. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally, I disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason I disagree is by living across uh, these two countries and two cultures. Uh, I don't, I don't think that uh, if you watch how decisions are made in China, uh, it's not that uh, like a one person thing. It's not like a king or a monarchy. Uh, you know, uh, no, no, or no. an emperor. Uh, before, like, say, imagine, like, before Xi Jinping uh, makes a decision, he had to. He he talks to people, mm-hmm. right? Uh, informally, but of course, uh, maybe unlike this country. Uh, you know, people in Congress, there's a structural, like a deliberation, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. through the Congress, uh, he's the one that uh, has to make the final shot uh, on especially important decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that may be different. But a lot of things, uh, uh, decisions uh, get made in the Chinese society at all levels through mm-hmm. talking back and forth. Mm-hmm. It's not like that one dis- yeah. I think that's a simplistic um, categorize- categorization of the Chinese system. Like it's an autocracy. It's a rule of one person. Yeah. And, right? it's, and it's a mischaracterization of United States too, because yes, we, we vote, but we're not really a democracy. I mean, Congress, yeah. there, there's been plenty of studies that show that regardless of what public opinion is for or against something, Congress kind of does what it wants anyway. Like they don't necessarily do what's aligned with public opinion. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 that's the my point. Like, say, are we? Uh, is it counterproductive to catch, catch, to label uh, these systems? And uh, we are uh, we people are richer than what the label give us, the mm-hmm. most countries. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, along that line, uh, if you ask me uh, how to walk the timeless way, right? So the first yeah. point I was trying to make is take care of ourselves. Yep. The second, the second point I was trying to make is uh, to really take the time to achieve real understanding mm. of people. Mm. I feel nowadays we... Uh, uh, put people in, uh, uh, give them labels, put them into different camps. Mm-hmm. That's more of a, a very simplified, oversimplified, uh, maybe intellectual way mm-hmm. of doing things than really see people as people. If yeah. we fail to see individuals as individual and only give them labels as, you know, like say, whether through a national, national label or racial label, or mm. economic label, or whatever label, educational mm. label, uh, we are doomed mm. to lose the compassion because we are only see these things through labels, not through the real individuals and human beings. It's hard to have compassion uh, with each other if we don't know the people. It's, it's beautifully put how all these category these types of categories and labels when we apply them to society frequently we can use it to dehumanize people to 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 remove compassion kindness humaneness the the primary treasure that that we've been talking about uh, today 
and that what we need to do is actually listen to people and try to understand people and see their hu- humanity. So before seeing someone as a black person or transgender or, mm-hmm. yeah. um, or as a, a, a rich person driving a Tesla, yeah. Um, yeah. see them as a human. See, them, see as, them as a human. Maybe that a rich person who drives Tesla, uh, you know, was uh, has a very, uh, you know, poor family background. He mm-hmm. worked very hard, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, you know, over the years. So when we mm-hmm. those stories, these stories can inspire us, as mm-hmm. opposed to say, oh, these are the rich people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that we 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 somehow as a society need to start seeing people rather than all of these labels. Exactly. And uh, how to do that? I feel like um, technologically, uh, maybe we're still in a very early stage of the social media. Uh, Social media has more power, but right now the power that exists that exercises is very uh, uh, crude or very rough, in other words. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's basically like, say, for example, on Twitter. So how do I know? I I really don't know the other person, whoever writes, uh, you know, uh, in Mm -hmm. a short sentence there, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I emotionally reacted to that text. And and trying to use my imagination to fill in all the all the gaps of that person. Mm. That's what Twitter does. I mean, mm-hmm. it's basically right. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, how many characters, how many words, right? Yeah. It limits, and maybe on top of it, maybe there's some videos. But again, it's very limited to know a real human being. And in some ways, then, we're reacting to our own projections. Yes. Yes. That's the problem. And so hearing, again, this this sort of consciousness-raising effort that how do you get society to raise their awareness uh, above all these labels and, and start seeing people regardless of the external appearances and particularly because social media has done such a good job of the opposite which is polarizing people further and further apart and Mm -hmm. and saying that the more that you identify with this label you're actually in opposition so many of the labels now are defined in opposition to the other one. Uh, I think one important maybe idea that, and I'm hoping that more and more people can understand is uh, social media should be only one of the channels. I don't mm-hmm. know how, how to, but at least uh, I think people uh, need to kind of a, uh, broaden their like I guess like when it comes down to it is like the social media time versus the rest of our life 
you know, we need to be more intentional about it. Mm. I know sometimes it's uh, maybe it's just like uh, maybe harder uh, uh, to. I, I think it can be uh, it. Some kind of a forces need to uh, take place in the society that almost like pull us out of the social media world, and then create more op- opportunities uh, for for people to interact. Of course, the pandemic is not a, you know, uh, kind of a uh, put people at home. Uh, but I think eventually, uh, building up local communities like uh, the real people interaction needs to happen for us to have that uh, 360, 360 view of one person. And and I think that that would be. Great, but assuming social media isn't going to go away, how do we walk the timeless way with social media and and use or hu- compassion, kindness, hu- humanity? I mean, if 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 social media is not going anywhere, and our choice, our only choice is to transform it, how do we walk the, t- the timeless way with with social media? Ultimately, I think it has to come from people's awareness of the limitation of social media. How does that awareness come from? Uh, maybe part of it is, uh, you know, kind of a people spontaneous, right? Right? Uh, uh, spontaneous uh, uh, experience, like they're sponta- like spontaneously, they start to feel, oh, you know, this just. Ref- I think some, at some level, people have got to know. Uh, do you think right now people know that they take social media, uh, whatever is presented in the social media, as a reality of the world? I mean, even with the young people, mm-hmm. some of mm-hmm. the students, I talked to them uh, about these conversations. Uh, I think they understand at some level it's not, it's not the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and this is where it would be really interesting to see some studies that maybe with the younger generations that have grown up on social media. I mean, Twitter, Facebook, smartphones all started around 2007. Right. And so now, you know, tweens have grown up right. with social media and smartphones. It's kind of a, a great time to, to start seeing that that research of how do 10 to 14 year olds view social media interactions versus interacting with people face to face i think that will be a very interesting study right mm-hmm. and of course other methods uh will complement uh like you know how do you incentivize the you know, the uh, big tech companies who are mm-hmm. trying to make money. Mm-hmm. I think uh, there's some incentives there for them to kind of to condition people's behavior uh, in terms of spending as much time <laughs> in social media as possible from an mm-hmm. economic standpoint. Mm-hmm. I think government plays a role. It is definitely, mm-hmm. I don't think there is a one silver bullet. I think it's got to be 
uh, ultimately it's got to be uh, people find uh, social media is just a one channel of our experiencing the world. Yeah, it goes back to, I mean, even Lao Tzu talks about how it has to start with the individual mm-hmm. and and then that individual's household and then that household's neighborhood and yes. then that neighborhood's city. I mean, but again, you know, and, and maybe that's some of what our hopes are with this podcast, but we're, we're trying to get individual people to think about these things and, and, and for ourselves really to think about these things and, and, and explore that, but government can't do, um, I mean, that's the limits of government is that there's a lot of internal work that only individual people can do. I mean, you can, be raised in a wonderful family in a safe, clean town that with a benevolent government. But if you're not willing to look inside and do your own work yourself, you're not going to just become kind. I mean, you have to work for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The other thought I have is I was wondering part of the motivations people, uh, end up spending more time in the social media is probably a hunt for a novelty. Because mm. I think, uh, you know, when you think about the potential of social media, it opened up the whole world to you, mm. right? Uh, but we also know through our own life's experience, sometimes the people, uh, you know, there's a tendency for people to kind of a ri- rise above the mm. natural limitation of the uh, locality or people around us. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when you really think about it, it's the same face, right? Mm-hmm. You're facing every day, your, your mom, your spouse, your, mm. you know, all these people. Uh, I guess, like, people want to, want to experience a larger world, which is a natural, uh, it's a natural uh, desire uh, to see our larger world. But I think they sometimes maybe uh, doing the hard work of uh, growing together in our immediate surroundings uh, can be something of, uh, uh, you know, something to think about. So in other words, you know, we can experience novelty in a larger scale, like across the world. But if we don't go deeper, with the people around us, like uh, we overcome a lot of barriers to grow together, to get that kind of satisfaction, we may end up with uh, the superficial one. Mm. Do you see what I mean? I, I can see that mm. sometimes uh, people can get bored with the people around them because everybody is just like uh, kind of in a rut. Yeah, kind of stale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that so uh, as a human being, I think we want to have experience something, something different. Yeah, and I think there was um, so A Rod, um, the baseball player. I saw something that he said today, which is basically, we're we're the average of the five people closest to us. Yes, and and that idea then it's that if if we're growing, we kind of need the people around us to be growing too. 
and and maybe this is the thing with with social media, which I'm I'm sure um, you're kind of talking about. People are are looking to grow. People are looking to kind of um, shape their their worldview and and understand things. But who are those people closest to us? What are what are they? Um, how are they changing or, or not changing? And then what impact does that have on us if we're trying to grow our kindness and compassion, our tzu, but the five people closest to us that we're surrounded by are, are not, um, you know, then that's going to demand some pretty big changes from us. And that can be a pretty scary thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I might have to replace some of these um, and I don't want to say replace, but I might have to kind of distance myself from people who, you know, aren't, aren't kind and, and aren't trying to be kind if, if I've grown beyond that. Yeah, exactly. So that's another uh, thing kind of to balance out that, uh, how, you know, that social media, uh, that relation, I think. Whether with the people around us or with the people in the social media, I think in the social media is harder to develop really deeper relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the mm-hmm. nature of that, how mm-hmm. that thing works. Uh, eventually, I think we need to cultivate that zi, um, one way or the other mm-hmm. as a part of our, you know, realizing our true nature. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot harder to cultivate on social media. It needs to happen in real relationships. Yeah. So in other words, the social media is just one of our, our windows, right? Mm-hmm. To, to see the world. Mm-hmm. Well, David, I'm always appreciative of, of your insights and, and views on um, not just Taoism, but but life in, in general. And so I, I appreciate you taking the time this morning to talk again. Yes, it's a pleasure uh, talking with you and uh, exploring these uh, fascinating topics during you know, our chaotic time. Well, and also want to thank you to the listeners for joining us and exploring Tao Te Ching while we're all trying to understand how to walk the timeless way.